Hello and welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have James Tate, CEO of UnderwriteMe. UnderwriteMe is a platform that allows insurance advisors to quote and handle the entire application and underwriting cycle through one unified platform and does so in 11 countries around the world. And with that, here's my interview with James. James, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks. Great to be here, Jason. Oh, great to have you on. I mean, honestly, when we first chatted, I was staggered by uh, by the fact you've actually solved a long-lasting problem. But we'll uh, we'll get into that in a second. So, James Tate, underwrite me. Tell us about underwrite me. So, we I mean, we set the business up essentially to make life insurance more accessible. So, making it easier to buy, easier to sell, and we set about, as you said in the introduction, by creating this marketplace that financial advisors or customers could go right from the start of the process to through a common application form to putting a policy on risk with their chosen insurer without ever leaving our website. And we saw that as really solving a number of pain points that we often heard from financial planners and financial advisors around the UK on what was broken with the current protection um, sales process and, and sales journey for the customers. So we really wanted to make it quicker and simpler for them to do their jobs and doing so help them sell, sell more life insurance. Excellent. So anyone who's ever been involved in the insurance process, whether as a purchaser or as a or as an agent, knows that this is not the most painless process, right? There's a lengthy application. There's a prolonged process that involves follow-ups and medicals and 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 doctor's letters and whatever else might be. I always coach clients in advance of, hey, if there's no medical requirements, this will probably be issued in a couple of weeks. If there's medical requirements, it will probably be issued in a couple of months. It just depends on the speed of your doctor. That's a separate issue to gripe about later, but the uh, same problem around the world. Okay, so let's talk about the discovery of this problem and how you basically built the solution before we dive into how you well how you've made the world better through <laughs> through fixing this problem. Sure. So, I mean, when we looked at the UK where we started, the process at the time was that advisors would get a quick quote from range of insurance companies across the market. And that quick quote would be based on the customer's age, whether they smoked or not, the product and the level of cover they wanted to take out. And then based on that quick quote, they would have to go to an individual insurer's website to fill out a long and complicated application form. And as you said, in a lot of cases, be referred for some form of manual underwriting, a doctor's report or some lab tests needed to be done if the decision couldn't be made online. And if that advisor wanted to get the best terms for their customer and ensure that they, they were getting the best terms from the customer, they actually had to spend a lot of time talking to multiple insurers to get a feel for what the underwriting philosophy for their client would be. So really time-consuming process. So what we set out to do was make that a huge amount more efficient. Researched all the different application forms in the market and came up with a common process that would satisfy each of the, the individual insurers that were out there so that an advisor would have all the information they needed at their fingertips to be able to advise which insurer was best for their client. Because we all know everybody's an individual, everybody's unique, and we really wanted to provide that personalized experience for life insurance to customers and advisors alike. Then that wouldn't be a credible process if we couldn't help insurers do two things. One, customize their philosophy on our platform. So if everybody comes up with the same underwriting decision, the same price, that's no kind of comparison. It needed to be detailed enough that each could configure it to their philosophy. 
And two, we needed to ensure that they were able to provide a high proportion of decisions online without any need for a doctor's report or um, lab tests. So really speeding up that process. And we did that by creating an underwriting engine to power the marketplace, to power the platform behind the scenes. And that, that underwriting engine allows insurers to configure their philosophy within the platform so that the customer gets a truly personalized decision at the end of the process. And we're delivering something like 70 to 80% of applications with an online decision there and then. So the process is almost instantaneous. 70 to 80%. Okay. So anyone who's ever worked in the insurance world knows that is a number that is a dream, quite honestly. And just to add some context as an insurance advisor, the current scenario is that if I want to, this contrast to what you just described, is if I want to apply for a policy and someone's, you know, someone's healthy and there's no issues whatsoever, that's easy, right? That's like age, smoking status, gender, and bam, low price. I can, if I know the products, no problem, easy to compare and off to the races and no problem. But the second, there's a slight deviation, right? Now it comes down to how does every insurance company that are like basically deal with that deviation? And while there's quotation software out there to like rank all these insurance softwares, they don't have that kind of underwriting nuance. What you've done is you've tackled it from the other direction, which is, hey, let's actually put, let's give them a way to put all these rules about what it is they're going to approve, disapprove, rate, whatever it is, into one engine. And before I even apply with that company, I, when I put that person in there and I say, this is these are their general health concerns, and I do the underwriting first, first the underwriting of their health condition as an individual happens, individual to all the insurance companies, and then I get recommendations on on pricing on insurance companies, correct? That's about right? Yeah, absolutely. And across, not just for one product, but across products. So you can fill in one application form across multiple different types of products. You might have some life insurance, you might have some disability cover, but it's still one application and one set of bank details, but and one click to, to put that on risk with multiple insurers. And that is A, the way it should be, and B, the dream, right? Is like, let's actually look at the individual first, forget the product, look at the individual first, figure out their risk situation. Now let's figure out how this is going to apply. And I'll give you even a simple example for, for those who are not familiar with the insurance world. Smoking status, right? There are companies that care that you haven't smoked. You know, most of them will agree that you're not smoker after a year of not smoking, but then they will still ask you if you ever smoked. And some don't care about it beyond a year, some beyond two years, some beyond three, five, 10. And the results could vary based off of what you answer there. So the question is, not only do I have, not only do I as an individual have this medical or health related history, but how does every, does, does the insurance carrier care or not, or to what degree do they care? So it's a complex web of things. And I'll also say the entire, like the ability to apply for multiple forms of insurance at different companies, like the current situation is untenable, like in my world, it's like, if I'm doing the best thing for my client and it's three different types of policies and I'm better off putting them at three different insurance carriers, I have to fill out three different sets of applications, coordinate the sharing of information across all those. It's an epic amount of work. And the response every insurance, every insurance wholesaler always gives is, well, you can just put it all through us. And it's just like, no, I'm not doing that. So let's talk about the early days of Underwrite Me and how you convinced or how you got the insurance companies to even come to the table on this, right? Because traditionally, it's been a lot of, again, the, this kind of sales mindset related of, yeah, well, they can just put the business with us, like all of it, right? Yeah. So how did you get past that? It was definitely a painful process over the years to convince everybody to come on board. It, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, I think the fundamental for us was that we were trying to improve the market. We were 
putting something in place that I think everybody would agree would make financial advisors' lives much, much easier. And in a market that's probably struggled to grow over the years, as consumers' interests are not perhaps focused on life insurance, something that's did a chance of growing the market was our sort of starting point as the sales pitch for, for insurers to come on. It was a little bit little bit chicken and egg, if you like, in that we would go to insurers and they would ask us what, what distribution we had on the platform. We go to financial advisors and they'd ask us which insurers we had on the platform. So one needed to come first and it, it wasn't obvious which one it would be. But in the end, we partnered with a couple of very large financial advice firms distributors in the UK that provided some of the attractive business volume for insurers to start getting interested. The smaller insurers came first because they had more to gain. The large insurers potentially were attracted by the underwriting technology itself and licensed that for, from us for use in their businesses. And that made it very easy for them to join the platform because they were already or join the marketplace because they were already using our technology elsewhere in their, in their business. So at the end of the day, you started off by basically making their internal problem go away before yeah. turning to the external problem, which was the agent. So you, you kind of work your way up the funnel towards the client eventually. Yeah, essentially, yeah. And you know, the underwriting technology we provide, the underwriting engine itself, it solves a lot of problems for insurance companies. It automates a huge proportion of their underwriting effort. It makes um, those underwriting decisions be delivered much quicker for their financial advisors, which should mean that they they win more business. So there's a, a lot we provide to insurers even outside the marketplace that we're providing to um, financial advisors. You hit on a couple of key points there that I really want to come back to. And it's, I've always had this opinion. And when I've talked to, I've had this view, quite honestly, when I've talked to insurance people, they haven't necessarily shared it in that, frankly, the amount of friction that exists in the marketplace currently is a massive detriment to the growth of the industry as a whole. A, the you're asking advisors to take shortcuts that are not in the client's best interest. Anytime you're in opposition to the client's best interest, you're already offside, you know, both from an ethical standpoint and from a long-term trust of the industry standpoint. So that's one thing. But you think about how many people probably avoid insurance as advisors because of the amount of work it is, right? And the uncertainty of all this. And no one likes to get a rating, right? It'd be it's so much easier to know if the rating is going to basically happen while you're just doing the application, right? Like that sort of instantaneous feedback to deal with the client is, is incredible. So I look at that and say to myself, like, all right, I think that we're shrinking the market size by creating all this friction and these delays and all this stuff. So you share this philosophy. Can you tell me about any metrics you've seen on since you've implemented this? What's the upside been for, besides productivity gains, what's the upside been on the sales side for companies who've basically adopted this technology? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jason. I mean, what we're finding is that companies and financial advice companies using our platform are saving upwards of an, an hour a day in time spent on the phone to insurers trying to deal with um, underwriting disclosures with their clients and think how much that hour a day could generate in terms of, of business volume. It's, it's absolutely huge for them. So really, really significant productivity gains there that are, are leading to, to increased sales and, and more customers getting the cover that they need, which is great to see. It's not just about extra sales, though. It's about that improved customer experience. So if I'm a customer on the phone with an advisor and I've told them about my medical history and my circumstances and the, the advisor's done the best to research the market and recommend an insurance company that, that's best for that client, 
you've gone through an application and midway through the application, an extra bit of information comes out that is unexpected and completely changes what the recommendation would have been at the start. It's a horrendous situation to be in and causes a whole load of extra rework and a whole load of extra time. With our platform, that extra bit of information can just be plugged in during the application and it's seamless from a customer perspective. They still get the best cover for them. They still get the best insurance for them and with no extra time spent. So both sales and customer experience, I think, are improved with what we're trying to do. Well, I mean, let's not, uh, you know, one hour a day, as, as much as that seems like it's not the biggest number, that's basically the equivalent of increasing your working hours or the productivity by a full month, right? Like, literally, yeah. imagine if you had an extra month to make revenue with no additional investment. Like, that is just profound in terms of size. So once you had compelled, okay, so you'd solved the problem in particular for the carriers mm-hmm. with their own internal underwriting. There must have been some friction towards turning that outward towards the agents, or was there? Or am I, what were the protests, or what did you have to get through it in order to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, there certainly was. It wasn't as simple as flicking a switch and, and externalizing it, because each insurer does have their own, own approach to an application form and their own, own nuances and differentiators. Uh, what, essentially, what we did was work really collaboratively with, with all the insurers and reinsurers in the market. We spent a lot of time in rooms debating application forms and trying to come and view. I think the, the key bit that took us forward was the fact that what we're trying to gather on, on the platform is a common set of data that each insurer can use. We're not asking everybody to use exactly the same questions. So yes, there are 15 or 20 questions that everybody has to answer, but the drill down questions beneath that are aimed at getting the data that insurers need. So the best example of that is maybe asthma, where one insurer might ask or be interested in the last two years, whether there's been any asthma symptoms in the last two years. Another might ask a question about the last five years. Another might ask about any asthma symptoms ever in that customer's uh, life. The common bit of data that serves both all three of those philosophies is when the customer last had asthma symptoms. And that allows each insurer to configure their rules um, consistently with their philosophy without asking three different questions or without having to agree to exactly the same philosophy. So it's that flexibility within the platform that made it much easier to to get everybody to agree on a common approach. Yeah, I mean, you took a highly specific question and made it broad and universal. And then you allow people to, or insurance carriers, to basically apply their metrics against it at whatever degree they want to. So it is, again, you know, I think I said it to you, I think I said to you the first time we met, this is the way it should be, quite honestly. All right, so fair enough. So basically we talked about the productivity gains. Talk to me about, you know, you started off in the UK. Mm-hmm. I was staggered when you told me how much market penetration you have. Can you share that number with us and where you currently are? Yeah, sure. So where we are now, so year to date, there is about 22% of UK life insurance is written through the platform or 22% of the financially advised UK life insurance is written through the platform. So we're a really significant part of the market now. So and it's been a really exciting time getting here. Don't want to stop where we are, but great. Well, day. no, you still have, you can almost 5X from there. But the funny bit, I mean, like, the you know, not many technologies get to the point of 22% adoption by, based on volume. That is quite substantial. So 
I'm curious. So you've had this degree of success. I mean, clearly the advisor feedback must be phenomenal. I mean, like I, you know, this is a dream to me. So talk to me what you're hearing from them. So I mean, lots of really good feedback from financial advisors, as, as you say, the really strong things that come through, number one, are the amount of time it saves them in going through the process. And number two, the fact that they have everything there at their fingertips, whether that's price comparison, whether that's underwriting comparison, or whether it's product comparison, because we link in with some product comparison rating houses so that the advisors get everything on our platform that they need. Having everything there at their fingertips is absolutely crucial to them in giving them confidence that they're giving the right recommendation to their customer and protecting them from a compliance perspective whilst they also save time and and sell more policies to more customers. So every aspect of our platform really helps them run their businesses, which is it's always great to hear. Absolutely. So 22% on board. I'm curious, what are the resistance points you're encountering on the rest of the market? Like where are these carriers saying, no, we're not interested and why? So they we're still growing out the functionality in the platform. So there are some products that we want to add to the platform so that it becomes an absolutely one-stop shop for everything a financial advisor would need in order to sell or advise on life insurance. And there are some carriers we want to add to the platform as well. I think the fundamental piece for us in our growth is just getting the word out there amongst the financial advice community that we, you know, about what we do. Because if you're a financial advisor who writes life insurance or advises on life insurance day in, day out, you're very likely to have heard of us and you're very likely to be one of the, or part of that 22% that I mentioned. If you're more focused on wealth planning or mortgage broking and life insurance is a small part of your your business and a small part of your revenue, you're less likely to have heard of us. So I think the challenge and the opportunity for us is really getting the word out there amongst those who maybe don't write a lot of life insurance on a day-to-day basis. Because do you know what? An even better fit for them Mm -hmm. because part of the reason they don't write life insurance is they view it as too complicated, too time-consuming, too difficult. And we take all of that complexity away for them. I was going to say, you basically idiot-proofed it. I mean, like you've taken, it is the complexity, it is the knowing what to ask or, oh boy, this person just said this. I know there might be a rating now that I go with the right carrier or, you know, there's there's so much that comes out of it. It was, you know, it takes away the need for that. And the thing is, and for those who don't understand the life insurance world, it's not like the carriers come out and tell you exactly how they're going to treat every case, right? They some of them will put out underwriting guides that are very helpful that you can look up and say, okay, in this condition, they're going to do that. But that only tells you about one company. Imagine having to do that for an entire marketplace with dozens of players. Like that is just a cognitive burden that's a bit too far. So you've implemented this. Now, also, you've had success internationally. Uh, talk to me about the other markets you're in. So we are, um, we're focused on really three regions at the moment. So UK and Ireland, Asia, Pacific, and North America started off in in the UK and Ireland with the marketplace protection platform and then started licensing the underwriting technology outside that. So that underwriting technology became the international part of our business. We now license that in Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia as our APAC region. And we started in the US earlier this year. So very quickly expanding internationally at this stage. The focus is on the underwriting technology rather than the marketplace. 
But now that the marketplace is at 22% share in the UK, we're obviously looking at what other markets in the world that could work in. Awesome. Well, it's frankly, it's and we discussed this previously, it's a near universal solution. I mean, anywhere that sells life and health protection altogether, there's every market is concerned about the same issues regarding people's lives and health to some degree. As I've mentioned in, in my conversations about companies and people around the, the world, it seems like we're all on the same development curve in financial services industry. It's just a matter of where we are in different places. So having a solution that takes a legitimately client-centric view of basically client health first before making a recommendation on where to go is invaluable. I mean, I think that is, that again, I always say is there's a few times where I say, just get this in my hands as fast as possible, make my life better. This is one of those times. So besides, you've got this tool for basically doing all the, basically, you know, really streamlining underwriting start to finish. You've rolled it out across 11 countries. Where do you see it developing next beyond just going to other markets? I think underwriting is a field that is changing really rapidly at the moment. And it's really interesting the differences around the world in the focus of that development. So a big topic at the moment is how we incorporate predictive models, artificial intelligence, machine learning within the underwriting process. I mean, it's the, the hot topic in, in most industries at the moment, how you use AI and ML uh, within your processes. In an underwriting context, a rules engine is a very established piece of technology that is delivering high levels of automation. But I see AI and machine learning as starting to supplement that in different markets around the world to really optimize the proportion of cases that can be automatically offered terms at point of sale, but also um, really spot things in the data that a human looking at the data themselves wouldn't have a hope of processing because there's just so many different variables and so many different angles to look at it from. So I see that as a big part of the future of, of underwriting. And from the flip side, part of the reason for that is there's more and more external data sources that can be used in the underwriting process. If you look at electronic health records coming to fruition in a lot of countries it around depends the depends on the country you're in, but sure, continue. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. It would be nice to just push that button, authenticate, and boom, that data gets sucked up. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the dream, right? You push a yeah. button, send your medical data to the insurer, an AI machine learning model converts that into structured data, some rules run, and a presto, you've got a, a decision then and there with absolutely no delays and no friction. But I, I think that's quite some way off. Um, that is the dream. And yes, as much as that sounds rational and very straightforward, yeah, uh, infrastructure plays take a long time. <laughs> they do. They do. But nonetheless, there's there's lots of other opportunities and low-hanging fruit with that kind of AI machine learning modeling piece that we can address in the short term. And fundamentally, we're trying to make the underwriting process as quick and efficient as possible so that we improve access to insurance. And that means automating and speeding up every aspect of it, whether it's the simple rules-based decisioning piece at one end or the very complex medical data you would get from a doctor at the other end. We want to make that process as quick and efficient as possible. Hmm. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's, and you're quite on that path. And, you know, you talked about the artificial intelligence. I mean, the honest truth is you think about both from an issuance standpoint, but also from an underwriting risk standpoint. And then you said things that a human being couldn't catch. You're absolutely right. This is a giant machine learning problem when you look at it, right? Once we have enough underwriting data uniformed in this type of platform and the outcome of what the actual mortality was on those people, 
and you have a large enough data set, it's like suddenly the machine learning is like, wait a sec, the combination of these four factors really does limit or extend someone's life. And we hadn't kind of considered that because human beings couldn't spot that, right? Like it's, if anything, I think it's, the good news is, is that anything that reduces quote unquote risk is something that leads to lower prices altogether. And I think that the future is potentially is this kind of thing in place is lower premiums across the board without, you know, without sacrificing the insurance carrier's profitability, which is what they're looking for. Yeah. I mean, if you can get lower lower premiums across the board, because the risk is more accurately assessed, if you can get a quicker process for advisors and lower costs for insurers, it's it would be a great place to be. And ho- yeah. Hopefully the outcome of all that is more people getting the cover they need. Yeah. And I think the a lot of people probably listen to this and said, well, I see this stuff on television about being able to get insurance without medical questions or all this other stuff. So why are these guys waxing about this <laughs> this software? And people don't realize that that's guaranteed standard issue. Those are higher priced, smaller amount policies because they're not doing the underwriting because that's a risk, right? Now imagine that same kind of like couple of minutes process that could be done and basically end up with the same kind of, well, at least speed, but superior product, superior pricing. That's just a win across the board and, and massively market expanding. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and over my years in the industry, I've seen lots of research that says, Customers actually want to tell insurers about them. They want to be individually considered as as a customer. And the challenge is how do we make that as seamless and quick as possible? Because it's personalization is something that is happening across every industry at the moment, whether it's personalized medicine or personalized advertising. Personalization is definitely the future of life insurance. I see more personalization, not less, as technology develops. And as you say, that should lead to better risk assessment and lower premiums, ultimately. Exactly. And far less friction and pain in getting this stuff done for guys like me. Or yeah. like here. Anyway, James, before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everybody on a positive note. The first one is, if you had one wish for something you could change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be? I think the one change I would make in the industry as a whole would be that ease of access to electronic health data, because I think that will be transformational for the life insurance industry worldwide. Yeah. I mean, like if you t- think about one industry that is the most bottlenecked from, I mean, like healthcare, absolutely. I mean, the ability to, I go into an emergency room, something gets tapped, whatever it is, and suddenly my medical information is in front of the doctor, like that is life-changing saving. That's absolutely right. You look one notch below that, <laughs> it's the yeah. insurance world. Right, the the industry that needs that data to make a decision. Yet, I just had this conversation a couple minutes ago before we got on the call. It was doctors filling out these forms for things that they don't want to be filling out. They they want to fill out forms and be like, even though they get paid these token sums for it, it's a distraction from their everyday everyday work. You know, they're not there to be bureaucratic administrators on this stuff. So, so it gets rid of something that they don't even want to do. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's such a pain point for the the industry in in any country. How do I get quick access to doctor's reports without inconveniencing the doctor who has better things to be getting on with than filling in forms, as you say? Yeah. Second question. What's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is currently? I think the biggest challenge we've had is prioritizing what problems we're going to solve first. There's lots of pain points out there. Technology can solve pretty much anything you want it to solve. And the challenge has been making sure we focus on the right things. And because of our desire to make insurance more accessible, because of our desire to grow the markets that we're in, that's why we focused on really improving that 
that buying and selling process for financial advisors because we think that will make a, a huge difference to the customers getting the cover they need. Excellent. And lastly, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on? It keeps you getting up in the, out of bed in the morning to keep on fighting the good fight. Because this has been, I, I have no doubt, this has been a long journey with an industry that is not exactly known for being cutting edge in technology, at least not for the last 80 years. This was an uphill battle if I've ever seen one. What kept you going? It's definitely been an uphill battle. It's so rewarding to be where we are at now. I think that, I mean, the big things that keep me going are the fact that the life insurance industry is such a positive one in terms of the focus on the customer. The products really help people in difficult and challenging times. And there's such a collective desire to do the right thing by the customer. It's a a great industry to be part of in that sense. And it's really exciting to be bringing new modern technology to solve some pain points that have been there for so long. And the progress that we make day to day and month to month is exciting. I can really see the momentum building. So we're really looking forward to the next few years and um, going from strength to strength. Well, I wish you nothing but the best because you're solving a core problem that, frankly, it's long overdue to be fixed all the, everywhere around the world. So glad to see you're having success, James. Thanks, Jason. Great to speak to you. My pleasure. So that was my interview with James Tate of Underwrite Me. If uh, you're like me and you do anything to do with the insurance world, you're probably salivating at the idea of this coming to you. And if you're in the UK, uh, you are spoiled. And I hope you appreciate that. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.